Hey everyone, welcome into the latest edition of the Postcast, production of the Casper Star Tribune and Pokes Authority. I am Davis Potter, Wyoming beat writer for the Star Tribune, and I am joined by our managing editor and former Wyoming beat, Nick, Brandon Foster, in person, in person. live and in color for the first <laughs> time and also the last time, Brandon. This is a... Uh, da, da, da. Very bittersweet episode, I guess, because it is the last one that we will be teaming out on together. We've been canceled. Um, no, go ahead. Just tell just tell everybody <laughs> the news if you uh, everyone if you want to look through all of Davis's tweets. <laughs> found out. No. Uh, yeah. Stop. I, uh, you stop with that cancel culture. <laughs> um, the postcast is not canceled, but no. Uh, this will be the last one that I will be on as I'm uh, headed out to. Uh, take a different role at the Seattle Times at the end of the month. So uh, my my time at the CST is, is short, so this will be our uh, the last postcast between us. So, yeah, definitely bittersweet, like you said. Um, I hope we didn't uh, oversell and amp everyone up too much last week. <laughs> with, we're like, here's 100 and there's 1,000 more coming. Well, we, um, did, we didn't do a postcast yeah. last week. Or, yeah, yeah. What, the last, last, last time. It has, it's been a while. It of course, we did, we did warn everybody. We're like, we weren't yeah. sure when we'd be back this summer. But. And to be fair, I didn't know then that I was for sure leaving. So yeah. uh, I didn't. I hope we didn't get your hopes up too much. And it, it will continue into the future. Yes, it will. Um, but, yeah, so congratulations. Papa. I know I... I tweeted at you after you announced that uh, <laughs> news on on Twitter, but yeah, uh, congratulations on that, man. And uh, so yeah, let's uh, let's make the most of the this last hour or so that we have on this postcast. This uh, special four hour <laughs> post. <laughs> we'll spend one year on each of our seasons on the beat. Um, no, um, but we will. Part of this po- postcast will be Brandon to uh, you know if you want to take a trip down memory lane and just um, you know talk about maybe some of your favorite memories or favorite times on on the beat now for people that don't know you were on the beat from what 16 to basically the middle of the 18 season yeah i think i covered the first uh four or five games of 2018 but yeah mostly 16 and 17 and then I came along that very first game against Boise, and they proceeded to lose what, 34 yeah, to 14. I thought or Davis was going to leave. <laughs> Everybody blamed me for that. Not really. I'm just. I mean, I was in the press box. You could blame me too. Yeah. Um, all right. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll do a little bit of that um, later in the podcast. But uh, first, we want to talk about um, the depth chart, I guess, a little bit mm-hmm. that Walming officially released because we have not. Recorded one of these since they uh, released that post-spring depth chart that took forever for them to really – I don't know what they were doing. It was Craig Bowl set up the spring game. Yeah, we'll have something next week, and then like three weeks later, uh, we got something. But um, So we'll hit on that, and then we'll also talk about the new model that the college football playoff committee is proposing. So get ready for a bigger college football playoff, triple – Triple it in size, actually, because oh, yeah. I know this is just a proposal right now, but if the college football playoff committee is proposing this, it's going to be a reality sooner than later. I mean, yeah. they've, they've you know, they've put out a press release about this and obviously put a lot of time and, and thought into this, and they're not going to put out something publicly if that's not something they're dead set on doing. So, yep. um, But as far as the depth chart, um, just not a whole lot of surprises. You know, Sean Chambers, as expected, was – Officially named the starter going into fall, and I know we've we've talked about this some on on some of our previous or most recent episodes. But you know, I, I said you know unless Levi Williams was just head and shoulders above in the passing department, it was going to be Sean. I mean, Sean's just a, a dynamic athlete at quarterback, and you know if the 
their ability to throw the ball is virtually the same. You go with the guy that is the more athletic and the guy that has been one of the better, if not the best, running quarterback in the Mountain West for the last couple seasons when he's been healthy. Yeah, I, so. uh, no shocker there, I don't think. I guess the longer they took to put it out, I maybe started to wonder if that meant uh, it was going to be a Levi, but yeah, yeah was, I don't know. That was just really weird. I don't, I don't know if like Craig Bull forgot about it, but <laughs> I mean, I, I did check with Wyoming's SID like two weeks after, and he was like, yeah, we're still planning on releasing one. So Maybe the printer broke or something. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> um, Solomon Bird was listed as second team. Um, I mean, if you're looking for maybe a bit of a surprise, but – Craig Bull said during the spring that, you know, Wyoming's sophomore defensive end who led the team in sacks as a freshman um, was going to be – not going to be listed as a starter, I should say, when the debt chart came out. You know, he's he's one of those guys coming back from an opt-out. So, yeah. you know, taking those guys a little bit of time to to uh, to get reacclimated. I know we've talked about that before, but, um, you know, Rome Weber's listed as, on second team. Um, Braden Smith has won that job at safety, at least going into fall camp. So, mm-hmm. um, and it just, I mean, not a whole lot of surprises at all. I mean, that's pretty much what, what we expected. The guys that are coming back off of opt-outs, it's taking them a little bit of time to, to get, get caught back up to speed. And so I think you see some of the – the older, more experienced guys, um, and not to say that they haven't earned it on the field, but they obviously had a leg up when, yeah. you know, you don't have to sit out of a, a sport like football for a whole year. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it, it's a spring depth chart. You know, you don't want to make too much of it. You know, it's obviously not a depth chart that's going to apply to a single real game, but, you know, the QB is sort of that ceremonial head of state for the team, and uh, this signals that that's still Sean for now. So, so Brandon, do you think Levi has any chance realistically of overtaking him in the four weeks of fall camp before their first game? Um, I think so. I, I think there's always a universe in which they know now that they're leaning towards that, and they just want to wait till the fall to make it official, or, or maybe they're really close and just don't want to flip that coin yet. Uh, not to say that I have any reason to believe that, but yeah. I think that that could be a, you know, again, if we're, you know, evaluating sort of the politics of it all. But, um, you know, I, th- I think he came out looking in the spring game improved in the passing game. And if, if he's improving quickly and continues to improve more, um, I do think, you know, what they're able to do through the air may ultimately decide that that competition as opposed to, you know, uh, the known commodity of, of Chambers' legs. So I don't think it's impossible, but, you know, I think there's – you got to handle those situations delicately, especially when you got a guy like Sean who's been back there. I mean, it's crazy. He's still technically a sophomore, right? Yeah. I don't know. Like, I literally – Fourth-year sophomore. <laughs> but Which I guess they've got well, a lot of those on, on the, the team field, now. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's – you know, you don't want to burn that bridge, if you know, so to speak, if, if you are going to make that move unless yeah. you're 100% sure. So – um we'll see i mean i still kind of imagine we'll see both of them at some point yeah this year. no i'm with you um i think it's possible but i think sean is not only on the field but off the field because he's already i mean mm-hmm. you just mentioned the fact he's still a sophomore yeah he's already been a two-time captain i mean he was a f- captain as a freshman yeah. uh you know again as, as a sophomore his first sophomore year i guess last year and uh, the guys really really like him and i think what he brings to them not only um, you know, from a physical standpoint and his ability to play the position on the field, but just his intangibles off of it and the way he's, he leads um, that team, which you expect your quarterback to do, right? Yeah. I mean, that's part of the position. And I think one of the things that Sean has struggled with when he first got to campus was he's just not a real vocal guy. And I don't think he's still a huge rah-rah type of dude. Mm-hmm. But 
I think that's something he's gotten more comfortable with yeah. over time. And that may have just been a thing, yeah, because I think he talked about that back in his freshman year, and that may have been a thing where he just hadn't been on the team that long, wasn't comfortable maybe, you know, with so many older guys on the team. It's yeah. one of, you know, you sort of have to wait your turn type of thing. But, I mean, he's he's been a guy that they've the, – not only players, but coaches have been high on since mm-hmm. really his redshirt freshman year. And um, so I, I think it would take a lot – just from the whole package for Levi to overtake him. But, yeah, I do. I mean, I, I mentioned this, I think, on the last episode we did too, was does the passing game get emphasized more when that's the one element of your offense that's been missing for the past three years? And, yeah. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens in fall camp. But Yeah, he's going to be off his parents' health insurance by the time he's <laughs> at this rate. But, yeah, and I, I think too, you know, when he came in, he was uh, kind of taking a job away from the guy who – initially was going to be yeah. the guy in, in Vanderbilt. So I'm sure that made it a little t- uh, difficult to be, you know, very vocal as a leader when you're kind of not the, the day one starter. So um, that's certainly understandable. It's not everyone's cup of tea, but it's, yeah, something you got to get at least decent at if you're going to be a, a D1 quarterback. Yeah, so let's move the, uh, move the conversation to a more national level and what has really all any college football fan out there talking about right now is – the fact that there is now a 12-team playoff model um, being proposed by the CFP committee. And uh, quickly, um, I just want to hit on sort of the details of it, but this new model would include every year the six highest-ranked conference champions and then the next six highest-ranked at-large teams. So basically the next six teams um, after the highest-ranked conference champions would also – get in the field right um and look i've had a lot of people uh, you know already tweet at me and say well this is just a move an excuse to get more power five teams in the field which if you're expanding it from four to 12 you're triple obviously there's going to be more power five teams that get in but if you're going to be all fcs uh but if you if you're a group of five coach right now, you have to be ecstatic. This is your ticket yeah. in. And what the people that are making that argument that, oh, this is just, you know, I don't know if that's just skepticism just because the, the, the system has always been built toward the, you know, power conferences and particularly, you know, go, only going from, from two teams in the old BCS format to the four team playoff. It was like, well, that was all it's going to get anyway because you do simple math. There's five power conferences. There's only four slots. Somebody's getting left out of the power five regardless. Yeah. Um, but now you have five. You're gonna have your five power conference champions, and if the six highest rank go in, well, simple math will tell you that one of those has to be a group of five conference yeah. champion. And uh, I forget who put out this list, but somebody compiled a list of all the teams that would have been in the field and uh, a 12 team field mm. since the start of the playoff era. Had it been 12 teams. And uh, last year, both Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina would have been in there because Coastal Carolina finished in the CFP rankings last year at 12th. Okay. And Cincinnati was the highest-ranked right. group five champion uh, as the AAC champion. So both of those would have been in there. I think every year since the playoffs started, one group of five team would have been in there. Boise would have been in it in 2014 yeah. if there was a 12-team playoff then. So this is nothing but good news for the group of five. Right. Yeah, I uh... – I love how it's like a proposal or whatever from the college football playoff committee. Like but yeah. not, they haven't actually like <laughs> said it's like when a politician tweets like somebody should do something like this and it's like yeah. that's like literally your job is right. to do like why are you tweeting about it? Well, it's, I know like, we should say and you may I don't sorry, I cut you off there. You may have been making this point anyway, but it, like 
the college football playoff committee isn't making this proposal just to make a proposal. Like, this yeah. is an inevitability. Maybe that's yeah. what you're going to say next. I Sorry, just think but. it's funny that they're, like, floating it, and it's very obvious, like you said, that it's coming down the pike, but they yeah. haven't said as much. as like, oh, so you're just, like, sharing your notes with – what are you doing? Like, obviously <laughs> this is going to happen uh, at some point. I, I think it's, you know, I think it's a great idea. I, I don't know. I don't know about great idea as far as, like – of all the possible scenarios, but you know, head to head against the current model. I think, um, if you're a group of five fan, it's, it's, it's an exciting development. Um, because I mean, think about it, like Wisconsin has never been to a college football program. Right. That's like one of the best, like what, 10 football programs in the last decade. They haven't been able to break in. Like what, what are the chances that a group of five team are going to get into the current model? And I'm sure it would have, you know, I don't think the stars, if I remember right, have quite aligned. Like if, if, BYU would have never lost or, or uh, maybe Coastal last year, you know, maybe people would have had a better argument for them to get in, but you know, maybe you would get one G5 team in every 10 years. Like that's, that's not even like, you know, a carrot on a stick for you yeah. if you're Wyoming, like, okay, my, my entire half of the FPS gets in once every 10 years and I have to be the team to do it. That like, that's just not anything to aspire to now, you know, um, I mean, I wonder even you go back to 2016 when Wyoming was on the verge of being a conference champ, like uh, how much more exciting, it was already exciting, but how much more exciting when Wyoming was like, uh, before they lost a couple games towards the end, you know, when they were in the driver's seat to win their division, if you were also like, wait, could we be the, could we be the top ranked group, uh, group of five team? Like, could we be going to the playoff? And you know, that didn't happen, but, yeah. uh, when you have that possibility there, it's a more fun and B, you know, it will happen every so often, which winning, winning begets more winning as they say in college football. So right. when you do it once, it suddenly, uh, you know, it, it becomes easier to get recruits, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's really exciting. I, I think back to, you know, the current form, I, I don't have any real strong takes on the current format, except that obviously it's given us still given us like kind of the same games we would have gotten yeah. anyway. You know, there's seemed to have been a lot of blowouts in the semifinals. We've seen Alabama and Clemson a million times. Um, it's not, you know, created parody, so to speak, but I, I, it was really fun when we first switched over. I thought from the BCS to this, just having any semblance of a tournament, I think, people still probably prefer it for the most part to BCS. But I do think there was a little bit of like a, uh, they pulled the fast one on us, I think because everyone hated the BCS because there was, you know, there, there was no tournament whatsoever, right? It was just the one championship game. Well, it was also just like computers. Right. But I actually, but then we switched and they're like, okay, we have this 14 playoff, which is cool, but it's going to be decided by like these, you know, executive 70-year-old dudes in, sitting in a room discussing it. No offense, Tom Berman. I know you're not 70. <laughs> but, like, you know, it. I feel like the uh, – as dumb as the computers were, I'd probably take computers over, like, Bill Hancock or whoever's making – you know, I like, I like the component where we have more games that feed into the championship, but I don't love that it's decided by the committee. And I know that won't change in this current one, but – um yeah i'm in favor of expanding it i'd have to see like logistically how it works i understand that football is not basketball you can't play a game every two days you gotta space things out and i don't know how that all works but from a strictly group of five standpoint you know that that's exciting um and the other lesson here real quick i think is that just don't forget that people are always lying to you uh, especially at the highest levels of athletics about like you know when they've when they've got a chance to make more money they're going to make more money i mean how many years have we been told like Oh no, we love four. Four is perfect. We're not, you know, it's like, okay, well, the second you figured out a way to do 12, you're going to do 12. So I'm not mad about that. I'm not shocked about that, but 
I think that's a, a valuable lesson too. If you want to go back at how many BS quotes have been spouted over the years, yeah, you could do that. I, I'm in favor of more than four teams. I don't have a, a number in mind that I love. I'm just saying if maybe there's a way to get away from the committee because the committee is what like Condoleezza Rice and a bunch of athletic directors. Is with that, Tom Berman, which yeah, is one of. I mean, Wyoming's there. got a voice on it, so that's yeah. that's good for Wyoming. But you know, I I I don't know. I mean. ADs may be better than coaches, but like we all know what the coaches' polls look like. Right. It's like not the best way to create the system. So you know, in in my hi- hypothetical ideal, you know, playoff, I think I don't know if I want like the BCS rankings. Which, funnily enough, if you go back, there's a lot of those are still online on still like 1990s yeah. era websites. Um, they're just still updating those computers. But yeah. I don't know. I think there might be a better way to do it. Um, but yeah, no, I mean. I gotta, I gotta, you know, think this is a great thing for Wyoming fans. Yeah, I mean, it, the four team playoff. My only gripe with this whole playoff thing was the fact that they didn't start at eight or twelve to begin with. Because to your yeah. point, it's like you're going to get to a point where you can make more money with this, and anybody that can make more money is going to make more money. I mean, I've never heard of anybody being like, "Oh, I can make more money." No, I'm good. <laughs> We're good. I don't need any more money. Um, it's literally the opposite. So. I don't know why they just didn't start with eight or 12 to begin with, but going back to the group of five discussion, all the group of five has asked for is a shot, right? And it wasn't feasible Yeah. Uh, under the BCS or the four team playoff. Now you are guaranteed a spot if you're a group of five. So you can't sit here and start the season and go, well, we, you know, if, if, you, if you're somebody like a Cincinnati or a coastal, I'm just thinking of, of teams recently that have been really good and had a shot to, uh, you know, be the highest ranked group of five school, which I guess under this current format, if they don't get in the playoff, which they weren't, they were always guaranteed a spot in the New Year's Six Bowl. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's all you ever wanted was a shot. You can't sit there and say, well, this isn't realistic. Now you can sit there and say, okay, one of these six highest ranked conference champions has to be one of us, Sunbelt, Conference USA, Mountain West, AAC, and whatever the other one is. Like, one of them is going to be us, so let's take care of our business. Go undefeated, them. we got a shot just as well as anybody else. Mm-hmm. Now, sure, could you hope to have maybe another team like a Coastal would have been last year as slip in as an mm-hmm. at-large? Sure, but under this format, you were guaranteed to get a group of five team in there. Yep. So it's as good as you could ask for right now. Yeah. Uh, I think. Yeah. No, I'm excited to see it. I uh, I hope the teams – uh, do well once they get in there, you know, after all these years of griping about, you know, UCF should have got a shot here. You know, you certainly don't want to see a blowout the first right. couple of years with whoever does get in there. Um, but there are definitely, there have definitely been years when, you know, those top, um, you know, group of five teams have been better than the not, you know, entirely one a tier yeah. of power five teams. And, and here and there, I'm, I'm blanking on examples, but we've seen it in bowl games where you, you finally do get those matchups and, um, you know, they look just as good against power five yeah. competition. I mean, we've seen it the other way too. Don't, don't get me wrong, but, um, I, for the group of five's sake, I hope that the first few teams to get in the first few years, uh, prove this to be a smart decision. Yeah. There's obviously going to be more power five teams cause there's, that's just the way it's set up, but at least this gets your foot in the door and, uh, that's at least a that's at least a start. I mean, it, yep. rather than the the four team where you don't even have a chance. I mean, C- Cincinnati to me was a playoff team last year, and I know they lost to Georgia in the Sugar Bowl, but they led a lot of that game, and I think that was a one possession game, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
Yeah, I, I, I'm excited. And I don't necessarily think that, like, the semifinals or championships going to be any better because until somebody steps up and actually becomes a threat to Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State, yeah, I think you're going to have the same two or three teams in the final of the championship game. But, right. th- dude, those first round and, and quarterfinal games, those, those can be the hell of some matchups. Yeah, give them a chance to screw up, you know. Yeah. Um, and and I'm not saying they can't. Yeah, I don't I'm not saying they can't pull the upset, but. Um, no, I meant give like ba- the Bamas and the Clemsons just you know that now they got to win what is it two or three games? Yeah, I know their twelve is obviously not divisible by. It, it, there's going to be buys, right? Is that yes, the, way? the top four <laughs> seeds will get buys. Yeah, and so here I'm I'm actually read this because I've got the press release from the CFP pulled up. Um, the the fifth ranked team under this new twelve team format would host the number twelve team. Uh, the sixth ranked team would uh, meet. The 11th ranked team, 7 and 10, and 8 and 9. So then those winners would go on and place the top, play the top four uh, in the second round or quarterfinals, I guess, right. at that point. Yeah, so. I mean, it'll it'll be fun. to. I, I think uh, every college football person, you know, in charge is ultimately trying to capture some of the magic that college basketball has, and I think to some extent that is a fool's errand. Like, you can't just have yeah. that insane huge tournament with so many games back-to-back just given the nature of the sport, but, like, like college football is a hugely successful and has been uh you know thing in america i mean it's it's right up there after the nfl and it's become that despite the fact that the postseason has been kind of like eh, who cares for like my entire life like bowl games are fun i love watching bowl games but they're not march madness they're not even the nfl playoffs i mean if they if they find a way to to step that up and and create even more excitement there right it's only it's only good for the sport like uh, and honestly, unless your team is playing in it, yeah, who cares about the Camellia Bowl? <laughs> you know, like I mean, I, I know just me being from Alabama originally. There's three bowl games in Alabama right now. Like, unless your team's playing in those, like, there's no hype around those. There's mm-hmm. you know, there's no marketing really of those. They're played in very rundown stadiums. I mean, there's just not a whole lot of excitement, and this. Yeah. This brings that, I think, beyond just, oh, we can't wait for the national semifinals in the championship Oh, when, by the way, we know exactly which two teams are going to be in there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think this brings a lot more excitement um, yeah. to the sport. And I, I, there may be some people wondering sort of what's the next step or when might this become official. Um, I'm sitting here reading through the CFP press release about this. I, I don't see a year, but I think it's – I've seen it reporter. I think it's going to an effect either 2022 or 2023. Um, hmm. But the there is some action apparently that's going to happen on this this week. Um, this says the next step in the process is for an 11 member management committee to review the recommendation at its upcoming meeting in Chicago, June 17th and 18th. So that's Thursday, right? Uh, yep. Thursday and Friday. That's like when this drops. <laughs> yeah, this week. And then uh, if the committee endorses the 12-team proposal or reaches consensus on an alternative model or decides to retain the current format, it will forward a recommendation to the CFP Board of Managers, which will meet June 22nd in Dallas. So this is all going to be official pretty quick. Yeah. Um, and I kind of feel like COVID may have helped with this too because so many – things in sports that we didn't think could change changed on a dime in the last year and a half like the seasons changed as far as when they played them you know the the structure of football schedules changed very quickly and i think you know there's 
people are more willing to accept like a, yeah. a a change of this magnitude than maybe they would have been before seeing all that. So well, particularly when it benefits you, right? Yeah. I mean, I think this benefits every. It, it benefits the Power Five and Group of Five. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how it's not going to make a ton of money. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and for anybody that might be thinking, well, is there any chance that you know the management committee doesn't you know accept this as the new proposal? Like that's not going to happen. If if this proposal gets rejected and they stay at four team play, I will come on back on this podcast and eat crow for a whole episode. <laughs> but I think we were alluding to it earlier. You're, you're not you're, <laughs> you're not going through this whole process, and they put a lot of time and thought into this. Like, I'm sure they've had meetings on top of meetings on top of meetings about this has been in the works for a while. So they're not going to come out with something publicly and then reject it. Like this this is going to be something that's set in stone pretty soon, mm-hmm. and it's going to go to twelve teams. I guess 2022 or 2023, whenever that year is. Would that be end of that year then, or that like season? January that for, season okay, for yeah. that because I was gonna say that's coming up real fast. Then. Yeah, um, yeah. I, the other thing I just hope is that they get the scheduling right, which is a minor thing. But I thought that the first year when there were the semifinal games, and I can't remember what year that was or which team, or for some reason vaguely, I feel like Washington was in it. Um, but off the top yeah, of my head, that was like 15 or 16. Yeah. I think it might've been the, the Alabama season. Destroyed them. I remember that. Yeah. And, and it was very cool. And the games I think were both on new year's day and it was like, Oh, this is a really exciting new thing. Um, and there have been some really good semifinal games like yeah. that Baker Mayfield, uh, Georgia, Georgia game. Yeah. I mean, the that Georgia years were real fun, yeah. uh, or year, but like then the, I think it was the second year they were like, okay, these games are on New Year's Eve and they had all these Jimmy Kimmel commercials and they tried to rebrand and they're like, we're going to take over New Year's Eve. And it's like, that's just not going to work, dude. Like people right. aren't going to like skip a holiday for your games. And so I hope they get it right and figure out that like New Year's Day is made for bowl games, is made for college football. Like wherever you're at in your 12 game playoff, like mm-hmm. put some very, very significant games on New Year's Day and put a lot of them if, if there are more of them now. Yeah. All right, so we talked about what the matchups would be as far as the ranked teams who would be playing in the first round. So this these would have been the first-round games last year if this right. format was in place. So Coastal Carolina would have played Texas A&M. Nice. Indiana would have played Oklahoma. Iowa State. Not nice. <laughs> <laughs> Iowa State and Florida. And then Cincinnati and Georgia, who played anyway. but And it was a really yeah. good game. What what of those do you think might have been the best game? Oh, I, I think I just Outs, let's Shants, not let's not count Cincinnati and Georgia since they played. Yeah, the Shants versus anyone like Power Five would be fun. But now that you've told me Indiana would be in the playoff, <laughs> I changed my mind. This is a bad thing. Um, okay, be, to <laughs> be fair, Indiana too, was was very Indiana was very good until yeah. my, their quarterback Michael Penix got that's, hurt. That's true. Um, no, it's fine. I, I Which is to, why they were ranked eleventh. My probably. sister went to Indiana, so I have to give a little, <laughs> a little shade. Uh, yeah, no, I mean that's. That's and so the four teams to get a bye would have been the four playoff teams, right? Yes, okay. the top four, top, top four uh, teams get a bye into the quarterfinals. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I I didn't watch a ton of Coastal Carolina, but whenever I did, it was just it was always so much fun. So like, who? Um, I already forgot who'd you say they would have got a uh, And M. A And M. See, I, in my I mind, would, I, I want to say that wouldn't have been a good game, but I don't know. That's the thing. Like, I don't know. Like I don't Coastal have Carolina was to watch A And M, but like. I would watch AM against Coast Carolina. Yeah. Like at least for half, right? To say, okay, are they gonna right. compete or not? Like <laughs> Yeah, I uh was, if it's a blowout, I'll move on to I, my day. I but. can't remember anything past like this, but 
did, didn't BYU and, and Coastal play each other last year? And that was yeah. BYU's first loss. I mean, that yeah. was one of the – well, clearly the most memorable game I watched all year. <laughs> no, but, yeah, I mean, that's just like give me those group of five matchups and let me see how they – even if it's just a boring middle-of-the-road SEC team, like, sure, I'll yeah. watch it. Yeah. All right, last thing, and then we'll move on from this. But talking about things you don't like, like the – the semifinals and quarterfinals are going to be played at bowl games. I wish they would play the whole oh, the right. whole thing on campus sites, which is where the the first round is going to be played. Like when you're talking about the teams five through twelve, yeah. those are going to be played on campus. Yeah, I, I wish uh, they play the whole thing on campus. That would be really cool. I I get why they. I mean, again, cha-ching, It's about money. They're not going to do that. But like the idea that if you're the number, f- and I'm stealing this from my, you know another podcast I listened to, but. If you're five, you get to host a game. If you're four, welcome to Glendale, Arizona. Like that's yeah. that's not fun, <laughs> right? Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know how to. Fix that doesn't that. make a whole lot of sense. Like, how does the number five team get to host a game, but the number one team doesn't? Yeah, you know? I. I mean, maybe you just host like another spring game since you have a five. <laughs> just you know, or host a game against like um, some just really terrible PAC 12 team or something, have them play a scrimmage, uh, in flag football or something. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they're, they weren't going to get rid of their real big venue games. And then, you know, the, the game, I haven't been to a, a playoff game or a really big bowl game, but I get a sense that the ones played in NFL stadiums, um, like might not like people always say that the Super Bowl actually sucks to go to, you know, like the, yeah. just cause it's so corporate and it's so like, anyone there is like you have to be like a dentist to afford a ticket so it's mm. not like you're real hardcore fans and dentists you know famously hate college football but like <laughs> uh and i guess this is a bad comparison but i'm just thinking too of like the the basketball games that they play in football stadiums and it's just like you can't even see the court for right like, and you've been to one of those i, I guess, have but like, it was awful by the way like ba- ban college right. ban final fours from nfl stadiums right but like that makes so much money if you can fit that many people in that like as much as a home game would be better i just can't envision them getting getting rid of it yeah i don't know i just i, I think the setting would be so much better yeah no, I think it would be so cool. I mean, maybe it's uh, once the money starts going to the players, the people in charge will say, oh, we don't care about this money anymore. Let's do, let's uh, play home games. But yeah. I doubt it. I don't know. But, hey, if you're a fan of a group of five team, a.k.a. Wyoming, get excited. This is, this is your ticket to the playoff. Yeah, I and think if you're a group of five team in the playoff, you're – You'll play wherever they tell you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Go play on Mars if you wanted to. <laughs> um, I don't know what that would be like. That'd be weird. It'd be slightly warmer than Laramie in <laughs> December. I don't know if it'd be much warmer than La- than Laramie or Casper <laughs> right now. By the way, which we should mention, what we're recording this from our Trib Studios. Oh yeah. First With fancy microphones. This is yeah. the highest tech we've ever been. Hopefully, it turns out sounding okay. Uh, but yeah, thank thank CNFR for this in person <laughs> uh, rendition of the Pokescast. Yeah. All right, Brandon, we'll go ahead and wrap up the uh, first segment. And uh, when we come back on the other side, uh, we'll let you take a trip down memory lane and talk about uh, some of your favorite moments from the UW beat.
Welcome back into the Postcast, and now Brandon, let's talk about some of your favorite moments, some of your favorite uh, memories from your time covering the UW beat. Cool. Well, yeah, go let's ahead. just go uh, game by game each football. Game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am joking. Do, do, you, do you have a favorite? Uh, so yeah, like, if 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 you all um, hopefully picked up a copy of our what twenty twenty season preview. Is that right? Uh, for football, we did the countdown. Oh, uh, we did the top the top ten most top memorable 10. So, yeah, games we, of the century. We mm-hmm. kind of had a, a a reason to uh, do this not that long ago, uh, and I of course tried to push as many 2016, 17 games as I could because uh, they're fresh in my memory. But there are also just there were so many crazy games, and uh, I mean that's kind of the the moral of my trip down memory lane is i think i was just you know really really spoiled with you know the stories i got to tell when i was on the beat and and some of the games i got to cover but um i'm not literally going to go game by game but it would be really hard to top the first one um so that first game in 2016 was the home game against northern illinois is this just going to turn into a josh allen segment it inevitably will i'm trying to push (laughs) it off as long as um but you know, this was, I mean, the game wasn't too much about Josh. He, you know, spoilers, scores the game-winning touchdown in triple overtime. But it was more just about, like, the fact that it went to triple overtime. There was a long thunder and lightning delay, so the game ended at 2.34 a.m. after starting at, like, 8-something. And, um, uh, no, it was supposed to start at 8, start at 10-something. I think that's right. Uh, only kind of the hardcore fans, mostly students, were still there. Um, I decided to... Like, I think I wrote way too many stories because it was my first game and I didn't know what I was supposed to do as far as how many stories. But I wrote until like (laughs) 8 a.m. because plus you're just completely exhausted. Yeah. And you're just like on adrenaline rush from like this insane game. Um, And I was like, well, I'm not if I go to sleep, I'm going to wake up mid afternoon and and then I I don't want to be behind the eight ball writing stories. So. Yeah, that was that was insane, and and it was also fun because I you know moved out here in 2016. The Pokes are coming off a two and ten season. I'm fully like prepared for them to be fairly awful. You know, they're predict- predicted to go last in the in the division again. Craig Ball's gonna and, be pissed. Yeah, yeah. and then you know they they right out the gate like it was like they don't look that bad. I mean, Northern Illinois isn't you know alabama but at the time they were a very well-respected group of five team had had won i think a series of conference titles in a row and it was like oh they're uh the pokes are you know playing okay and and that was kind of a fun i mean it was a super fun start i never obviously had a game end at 230 again um (laughs) but it was also like oh okay you might actually cover a decent team. Um, Just for anybody that's not aware, games ending at two thirty in the morning is not good for deadline. No, so. I mean <laughs> it's not good for the next day. <laughs> but like, yeah, it was. Uh, that was like one of the really fun things. I mean, both yes, with Josh Allen, but also the team as a whole is just like the unexpected success it, that they had in that year. Um, you know, our, uh, condolences to Ryan Holmgren, my predecessor, who covered one year, and it was. <laughs> It was the, you know, 2-10 2015 season. I, I just reaped the rewards, I guess. But, you know, it, it, it was – it's obviously more fun to cover a winning team, and they had, you know, these just really dramatic games. Uh, the Boise State game, obviously, you know, their first win ever against them, highest-ranked win at least in a long time. Uh, the San Diego State game, um, the first one, which came down to a uh, blocked two-point conversion attempt, but – I guess I, I'm somewhat primed for this because I was just cleaning out a bunch of papers that I boxed <laughs> up 
uh, when I moved up here two year, three years ago and uh, I haven't gone through them yet, but now that I'm about to move, I am. And so I, I was looking through like kind of the, the story about that San Diego state game and forgot just kind of how crazy it was. Like San Diego state, I think had two kickoff returns and like Wyoming kind of dominated the game, but San Diego state had, uh, yeah, the only two offensive touchdowns and both of them came on final plays of a half with yeah. no time remaining. And just, you know, Rocky long was like, screw it. We're going for two. And then, uh, Antonio hole tips the pass. So, I mean, definitely just a flair for the dramatic, that team in 2016, especially, I mean, I thought 2017 was, uh, full of fun games too, even though the season didn't quite live up to sort of the hype, uh, everyone, everyone wanted, but yeah, if I had to pick one favorite game, at least like the one that will leave the most lasting imprint on, on my brain. I think it'll be Northern Illinois just cause it was that first one. And um, yeah. I mean, first time covering a game in that press box and yeah, it was, it was crazy. Do you ever have a, do, do you have a favorite coach or athlete that you like talking to the most? Oh, I'm sure I do. Um, I mean, is there one I, that comes to mind off the top of your head? I mean, I don't, so I only covered like one head coach on each, team um and i think you know i enjoyed working with bull and edwards they were both for the most part pretty open and and you know good with me um as far as players though i i i'm trying to think i feel like i really um overused just always talking to drew van monen (laughs) the fullback just because it's kind of fun to find the guy who's the goofball on the team and is willing to be uh be kind of silly with you but um i'm trying to i i know they're like those guys who are like not that important but you always talk to them just because they will say stuff i mean yeah. i feel like uh, going through the papers i was like man i sure interviewed nick spore a lot it was like <laughs> a walk-on quarterback but i would be like oh he's their holder now out of nowhere and then the next year's like oh he's their backup punter so like i'm always gonna tell those you know quirky stories um i'm absolutely sure i'm forgetting a million obvious answers here but um you know i i think the the access to the players was just is just a really fun part of that beat too you just can i mean obviously covid has screwed it up the last year but you know you can sit down and and chat with them for 10 minutes and no one else is listening in like you know i i mean i covered missouri before wyoming and you don't you don't get that everywhere You, you don't get that privacy and that ability to build those connections so it you know i think that's one of the most fun parts of the beat um and i mean i i really did love you know talking to josh allen just because it was almost like a thing that was happening to him too like he was really good but like the experience of going from like when i showed up like nobody knew who the heck he was and then watching him like as a you know 19 20 21 year old like become this person who's in high demand and and on espn and all these things it's like it is a weird thing to watch uh a college kid go through and and he was he was always a great interview and it, it was fun to just kind of like experience that through him and see what it was like to to do that and like he's just he's a psychopath like he's insanely <laughs> competitive and like he uh is i mean just had so many like easy stories to tell um and that's why i think he's still like so much fun to watch in the nfl like yeah. i obviously have like the homerism or whatever it's like oh i covered that guy so i'm gonna watch him but like I don't watch Drew Locke play that much. <laughs> I yeah. covered, I mean, Drew Locke was, I covered him as a freshman and was like, oh, that kid's going to be really good. But like the Broncos are in my backyard and I still don't yeah. feel like watching them all that much. Like Josh is just fun to watch. So shouldn't mention Drew Locke a whole lot around here. Yeah. What I hear Denver fans are 
not too That's high true. on him. Well, I mean, if Aaron Rodgers comes to yeah. Denver, then um, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you have? Is there like a? I don't know if like favorites the white word, but did you ever have like just a like your most weird moment on the beat, or just like a weird interaction, or mm. do you ever have like a coach or player get mad at you, or I don't know, <laughs> just. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, yeah, I, I know Bowl has been mad at me before. Um, uh, but there's not, there's either not a great story there or not a story I'm going to get into. <laughs> but, um, off, we'll say, off the record, yeah, we'll say but, that for off the record. Um, I'm trying to think of anything weird. Um, I'm sure there is. It's just like, I don't know, looking through all these papers you just kind of remember also just how insanely fast the news cycle is and yeah. it's like oh you write two or you know three stories a day and then you move on and you kind of just yeah flush them off from your memory so i think the, the way the beat works at a school like wyoming is something that we both can sort of talk about and relate to because you know mm-hmm. for me you know having covered old miss before I came out here. It's the same way. You get that. It's it, everything's a group setting, and, yeah. and, and all the reporters on the beat are getting the same content, getting the same interviews. Mm-hmm. It's it's re- like that is one of the really good things that I like about how Wyoming and its uh, sports information department works and its media relations folks. The mm-hmm. fact that they let us, you know, talk to coaches and players one on one, and it, it just makes for a more intimate setting. It's like when you when you're in a group setting, all the player and coach season are just, they're just you're just faces. You know, it's it's almost like a number to right. them. You know, it, like you don't get to know them the way that you do when you go in a one-on-one setting. It, it, it feels much more like mechanical. Like, like okay, mm. this is just a job. I'm trying. I got to talk to this face in front of me with 20 other guys standing around. Whereas if I go one-on-one, like I, you get to actually know players and uh, coaches like more intimately and more mm. personally. And you know, I, I think that goes a long way with like building trust, like that player. And, oh, oh, I, I know your name. I've talked to you a bunch of times. We've talked about things other than football. You know, that doesn't get written about or, or printed. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. I think that's that's a really neat thing about this beat. Yeah, um, and I did. I guess I can't even remember. I may have told it on this podcast before, but one story that does come to mind as far as just like weird, funny interactions is. Uh, that Nebraska game in 2016 when Wyoming just kind of melted, melted down in the fourth quarter. I mean, they went into the fourth quarter on the road at Nebraska down, I think, just the touchdown and end up losing in a, like, huge blowout with four fourth-quarter turnovers. And I asked Bowl in the presser afterwards about, like, did he feel like, you know, the team, like, lost his cool? Or yeah. I think specifically Josh lost his cool because Josh did have four turnovers in that quarter. But also uh, there was – one of my favorite Josh plays, uh, he threw a pick and the guy uh, runs it back. Josh chases the guy down, tackles him. The guy hands the ball to Allen after the play, and Allen takes the ball and throws it at the guy's <laughs> head. And uh, the other guy gets flagged for giving Allen the ball, which I guess you can't do. And and Bull, like I asked him like if Allen, he felt like Allen lost his cool, and he was kind of like a little snippy with me. And, and uh, I mean, he wasn't like, rude or anything but he was kind of mad about the question and then yeah. the next week he was like oh okay i saw the replay where josh threw the ball at the guy's head like sorry for being short with you and yeah. so i mean it speaks to like you know he was he was a fair guy for sure i think 
Um, you know, not just saying that because, yeah. you know. But I also don't think that happens. If, if it's always just a group setting and a press yeah. conversation, I don't think that happens because he's not going to know who you are. Right, you know, he's right. not going to be like, well, I don't even remember the guy I snapped at. Right, short that's with. for sure true. Um, yeah, and I mean, we uh, don't have to get all the way into this, but we had talked like a week ago about, you know, we're like, okay, what are we going to talk about? About uh, the Naomi Osaka thing at the oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, French Open and just kind of the conversation that started, you know, somewhat within i guess the sports media bubble but about the interactions between sport uh, athletes and play uh and and the media especially like post-game pressers and like what you know uh do those athletes like owe to the media or to the public versus like um you know what should we be re-examining that yeah. relationship and i think it fits into the larger context too of like the weird string of incidents especially i think in nba games of people just like throwing a lot of stuff and spitting yeah. on players and it's like somehow people forgot how to attend a sporting game since the pandemic yeah. started but which I none think, of those are media members by the way yeah i think but i think there's this sort of larger re-examination of like uh the way we interact with players and like you know maybe view them a little bit more as humans and yeah. i think what we talked about like we don't have to redo the whole thing but is that you know it really is a like a, it's a relationship and it's like a mutual thing yeah. and like you each have to behave well towards the other one and you have to be respectful and like that's something like you're saying that you're able to do when you see them on a day and day in day out basis is you build that relationship so that you when you do ask them the hard question it's a little right. bit less of like a transactional thing like okay this guy you never uh, you never met before is asking you a you know jerkish jerkish question about yeah. your most humiliating you know performance on live television uh, it's not quite as brutal of a thing i guess to undergo when you like know that guy mm -hmm. and and or girl and that you know interact with them on a day-to-day uh, -day basis so i mean i yeah i think there's a huge discussion around that that we don't have to get into but i think that you know that's a big takeaway is it, it's it's a relationship you're always kind of building yeah and you know, it, to go back to your point about, you know, when you, when you have to ask hard questions, because look, we have a job to do. Mm -hmm. Coaches, athletes have a job to do. And sometimes those, those paths are inevitably going to cross, particularly after a game when you lose. Yeah. I mean, you know, going into, it's not the most comfortable thing. I mean, you're, you're a human being too. You know that they're not ready to sit there and answer, right. you know, why couldn't you guys move the ball today? Or why couldn't <laughs> you do this? Which is more the line of questioning after a loss because it's like what prevented you from making enough plays or doing this or that sure. to, to pull out a win. And, you know, if, if, if you're in like a more of a group setting, I think from a from the athlete's perspective or the coach's perspective, it's like, well, you don't even know me. So why are you asking a question like that? Whereas if you get to know the person you're working with, the reporter yeah. more intimately, it's like I think they, they know you better and they say, okay, I can understand where you're coming from with that question rather than where is this guy or, or woman coming from that I have never seen before, right. you know? so Yeah, and I think, you know, the discussion around the Osaka thing is also, like, reminding people how little that the general public understands about, like, what, our, what we do yeah. on, and, like, how the stories come about. And I think that's you know some of that is definitely on us just as an industry and it's something that i think i've seen a lot of on the news side of things too is like people just don't quite understand like what journalists do and what their job is and like what you know even things like basic as basic as like an anonymous source like there's a lot of misconception out there that that person is anonymous to us and it's like right. no we know that person we're not naming them for whatever reason yeah. uh, and so i think media in general can do a lot in journalism in general can do a lot better about explaining what it is that we do but you know i, I think 
that this has brought that to the forefront for sure that like um people don't quite understand where their stories come from and why we do you know ask those questions and you know we can ask them better for sure but it like you're saying if when they know you um it it works better for both sides i think and and don't like it's not it works for both sides like it is good for the sport for these stories to be out there yeah um you know the players especially if they're getting paid benefit from that media attention um it's not it's not the same i don't think as like a government official covering mm-hmm. them like that person yeah. you should ask them every question in the book because they were elected to represent people it's not a one-to-one comparison and uh, i think that adds a layer of complexity to it too but i mean even you know like we said we're up here for rodeo this week i think mm-hmm. even in like the very small setting of the college national finals rodeo which is in uh casper once a week like once a year or sorry one week once a year like yeah. even then like you uh these guys get to know you and are more open with you even after just a few times if i talked to them three years ago i mean right we had this story where this guy got just absolutely smushed by a, a horse the other day and we we're all like oh that that looks terrible he's going to be paralyzed and like this very kind of sensitive thing to write and yesterday he showed up um to the media thing and, and was like um the, the media person there had, had told him that you know i had been checking in on his condition so he comes up to like voluntarily do an interview which is wild to me like he was just out of the hospital but i was like oh i remember this kid i actually have interviewed him like a couple times even though it was you know cnfr was canceled last year so at the earliest i spoke to him two years ago and and maybe like you know once in 2018 but even then like if you just talk to people a little bit and understand what questions they're asking and if you can tell that they're doing like they're working to be like a good person and ask yeah. ask good questions then that that will pay off in in uh better interviews and better stories down the line yeah so more just a general life question what's been your favorite part of of Wyoming what do you remember the most you think about your time here um I really have you know and I guess just some background like I grew up in Missouri went to school in Missouri um had only lived in you know three different cities but all in Missouri I uh, just wanted something try something different and, and you know i think just getting to know a place as different as wyoming has been uh a really great life experience for me i mean there's so many just different gorgeous parts about the state and you know i should say just with the beat as well you know that was one of my favorite parts is just traveling to all the uh, all the different places i think the mountain west is a really awesome conference for just like where yes. the locations of all the schools are it's really fun to get Agreed. to all of them um so, like, just exploring the West and, and different parts. I mean, Wyoming is such a weird state where, you know, there's so many different uh, places within the same state, just the yeah. way that everything looks. It's, it's you know, something I still don't think I've explored enough of. So that's been really fun. And, yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff we've talked about already, just kind of, you know, getting to know people on, on the beat and, and watching these players, you know, kind of come from being 17 year old awkward kids afraid to talk to you to you know three years later like achieving their dreams right in front of your eyes and then you get to chat to them afterward i mean that's really rewarding so yeah i mean uh in in general i've i've uh really enjoyed living in wyoming and it's it's uh yeah i mean i was looking for something different and uh definitely got that so um yeah i mean on the beat and off the beat i think they kind of intertwine a little bit those experiences but um yeah i'll miss it for sure well, I remember one of the my most vivid memories of taking over this beat was our very first – I get the only game that we actually covered together. It was your last game on the beat, my first game, that Boise State game yeah. in 2018. And not only was it – do I remember just because 
Wama got spanked that game, but there was a uh, there was a smoke delay at the very like the oh, air con- yeah. air quality was bad, and they were talking about like having to delay the game for a whole hour or something. Mm-hmm. Luckily, it wasn't that far, but that first game just wasn't very good overall. No, <laughs> yeah, it was it was not a great vibe. It was like, <laughs> it was like I hope Davis comes back next week. But yeah, and uh, I should say too another memory around the like War Memorial Stadium was the first time I went to a game. Uh, as a fan when when mizzou played um in oh, yeah. 2019 at wyoming and i had of course you know a bunch of friends come out and i was like hey you know here's a good excuse to come out to wyoming come check out this game go to the uh you know go see uh war memorial stadium and all that and you know obviously uh mizzou lost so my friends <laughs> uh, all hate me now and haven't spoken no but um you know that was uh uh, such a fun experience just to like be in the stands and watch it from a different perspective. And like, I was rooting for Mizzou cause uh, you know, Mizzou was, I mean, is my school and, uh, was just outside of the top 25 at that point. So yeah. like, it was like, Oh, there's something, you know, I don't want my season to be ruined by, you know, a mountain West loss. Um, we fired our coach by the end of that year. So <laughs> it was like, whatever in hindsight, but I, I it, like, it was still, it wasn't like I was super ticked off at, the result though like watching the ending it was like okay this is still super cool and and something i'm slightly detached from because you know my alma mater just lost but just like sitting back and watching you know people storm the field and and just how excited everyone was you know both fans and athletes because you know they hadn't beaten a power fighting team in forever and it was like i can i can definitely like get some enjoyment out of this even though my team just screwed up i think there were an 18 point underdog in that game wyoming too i mean that was yeah, like it was, massive it was bad yeah um and you forget how bad wyoming is winning how much they were winning by i mean they yeah. were winning that by like 17 points no, they, at one point it was not a fluke win like they were yeah. just controlling mizzou and then mizzou kind of scratched back at the end and came close but i think back on that game and it's hard to believe how dominant wyoming was up front like yeah. the line of scrimmage against an sec team yeah, that was. I still think about that. I think about how wild that was. Um, yeah, they probably but, needed to fire Barry. <laughs> yeah, I was about. To, so that, <laughs> that was the beginning of the end for old Barry. Maybe don't it? get beaten the trenches by <laughs> a Mountain West team if you're an SEC team and hope to keep your job for too long. But they sure they certainly did. They they yeah. looked like Wyoming looked like the bigger team almost. Yeah, it was, it was wild. All right, anything else you want to add before we wrap it up? No, I mean unless we want to just talk. Uh, about Josh Allen for another thirty minutes, probably <laughs> a good a good way to go out. But um, yeah, I'm I'm trying to think. But overall, just you know, thanks to all the readers out there from you know when I was on the beat. But obviously, still, thank you for for uh, following our, our coverage at the Star Tribune. Thanks for listening to the Pokescast. And uh, yeah, I hope to to get back before too long for a game or something like that. But uh, we'll definitely miss it. So. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. You'll have to come back for a yeah. game at some point, maybe. Wyoming and Washington will agree to home and home. And there you you'll go. You'll have convince <laughs> the Times folks to send you down here. That that'd be fun. Yeah, we've uh, speaking of of Pokes Authority beat writers. Mike Mike Varell is out there as well. Yeah, that's the, right. Uh, University of Washington beat. So um, from one from one UW to another, I guess. So cool. Well, I guess we can go ahead and wrap it up for the last time, Brandon. Um, appreciate we'll catchphrase to go out on. But <laughs> don't think we do. Um, but despite Brandon leaving, we will show will still go on here at the Star Tribune, and uh, you can always check out our coverage at uh, trib.com and pokesauthority.com. Um, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at pokesauthority. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at Davis E. Potter, and 
continue to uh, follow Brandon if you would like at, <laughs> at bfoster91. Um, this podcast is on uh, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Omni. So be sure to uh, subscribe, download it, give us that five-star rating. Um, Brandon, appreciate you joining me as always. As far as when this podcast will get back on a regular schedule, um, I'm not sure. With uh, with Brandon leaving, we still we got some details we have to iron out um, and for the podcast in the future. So um, I'm pretty sure it'll be back before uh, football starts, though. Um, so uh, I hope everybody has a really good summer. Uh, Brandon, appreciate you joining me for the last time. Appreciate all of you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon. Yeah, well, you know, thank you for bringing me back on these last however many months we've been doing it. It's been fun. Um, and again, yeah, thank you to, to all of you for uh, reading and listening. Um, so hashtag go wild.